This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Maybe the only thing I have in common with a player in his prime is as a host, I better commandeer my colleagues while the getting and going is good. And that means before they're getting and going on vacation. So I have Danny Sarek and Darren Urban here. I'm going to get their thoughts. I'm going to get their analysis. I'm going to get their expertise. Hopefully I get full effort here on this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Before they are in vacation mode, what does that look like for you, by the way, Danny? Vacation mode. How do you define that? Not coming into work, not doing work <laughs> from home. Um, I I like a combination of being active, doing things outside, or you know, adventuring while also just relaxing by the pool, beach, wherever wherever I am. I try and find a good middle ground. My vacation for the next couple weeks looks like a lot more adventuring than the relaxing part of things, but uh, I've been relaxing by the pool pretty much all off-season, so I'm due for some adventure time. I used to define vacation as the six S's. When like, like this, surf, sun, sand, seafood, suds, sourdough. Oh, okay. We San Francisco. Used, we used to go to San Francisco a lot in there North Carolina. I like it. That's the seventh one. But suds? Is that like taking baths? <laughs> beer. That's beer. Oh, I thought of like suds like a bubble bath. No, that's beer. She's, ah. that was, come on. Were you sandbagging there, Danny? <laughs> don't tell me. Honestly, no. <laughs> I don't, no offense. I, I don't, I don't, none of my friends, we don't call beer suds. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's an old, old man term there, Paul. Okay. That's what she just said without saying it. Well, once again, there are two kinds of people right now around the Cardinals. You're either older than Nick Rowless, the defensive coordinator, or you're younger. <laughs> I think I'm the same age. I think you are the same age. I'll have to maybe, look and see if I'm older or younger, though. I think you're a few months younger. Do you, I think he was already 29, and you turned 29 after he oh, started. okay, so. cool. Is Antonio Hamilton the only member of the defense who's older than Nick Rowless? Uh, that I'd have to look. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, where's Craig Greal? Where's Craig Greal when we need him around here? With a, with a so, I sort actu- of. I actually can help you with that. That's um, that's a viable question. One of several we're going to throw out here as we talk about the Arizona Cardinals now that they have broken for the summer. Pending the start of training camp, which begins Danny the twenty seventh of July. Yeah, the first open practice, which it's free, but you're going to need a ticket. So if you're listening and you want to come watch practice, come say hi to us, azcardinals.com. By, I, by I, the way, real quick on your, your question, Hamilton yeah. is is 30, Nick Rallis is 29, Carlos Watkins is also 29. Everybody else in the defense is younger. <laughs> How about that? 
Antonio Hamilton, I mean, just the look of like disbelief when he met the media right before the Cardinals went on break. He's like, yeah, I'm like the oldest guy on that side of the ball. It was a, a true reality check for Antonio Hamilton. So, all right, uh, once again, Cardinals camp, that is the next stop. If you want to go, it's still free, parking and admission. You need the digital ticket. Go to azcardinals.com, and it's real easy to execute that. And then the first padded practice will be July 31st. To me, that's a state holiday. Honestly, just walk in and tell the boss I need half the day off because it's the first padded practice. I need to go out there and check that out. Can I tell my boss that? Does that work for us? Danny, I need Danny, half the day off. You're already on assignment, Danny. Okay, <laughs> you know, so uh, you know. But before we get there, there are a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of questions and some big questions that the Cardinals have to answer. And some of the questions will not even begin to be answered until the first day of padded practice, right? Until you get full pads, full contact, full speed football. How do you really know about an offense or defensive lineman? It's always been my opinion. You can tell a little bit about defensive backs and receivers. Just, you know, are they getting separation? Are they running routes? We've been through all that. But based on what you've seen and knowing that it's been incomplete just because it hasn't been full contact football, I want some top three your top three under the radar players to keep an eye on fans are coming out to camp hey they know about james connor they know about cole mccoy isaiah simmons buda baker okay pending when he shows up to camp we'll see about that that's one of the big questions but give me your under the radar players who maybe have caught your eye so far darren now i'm gonna say this i'm hoping we can we can kind of go and i don't want to step on anybody's toes so i figured we do we do one each and then come around and do the next person. And, that, and then that way... It's very thoughtful. You know, because I did come up with backups. I, I would say my first one, and I'm, I'm really getting under the radar, but I, I'm going to go... I'm, my first guy is going to be Dennis Daly, the mm. offensive lineman. Okay. Um, he's gotten some work with the first team at left guard. Now, I, I, think, <laughs> I think pinning your hope on any offensive lineman not named Paris Johnson or DJ Humphreys right now, or Will Hernandez probably, uh, is probably a mistake uh, because we don't know how this is going to pay out. But I, I, I just feel like, okay, this is a guy who's got experience, uh, didn't, didn't go all that well with him at tackle last year. Um, but I'm just thinking, and when I say under the radar, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be any kind of Pro Bowl guy. But if he finds himself in the lineup, this is a guy we're going to be talking about. It's one of about seven or eight guys, I only say half-jokingly, that seemingly is in the competition for starting left guard. In fact, I'll, I'll go with one of mine since it flows well. Marquise Hayes. That's a good one. Who was excellent in camp. Towards the end of camp, he got better with each passing day of camp. He was a day three pick, 2022 out of Oklahoma. He's gargantuan. He plays with an edge. He, he has some nasty in him. He has some attitude. And I think once they do get in full pads and they're going at it, Marquise Hayes, who was good for about a fight every other day in camp last year, uh, I think he'll find himself in a fight for some playing time. On an offensive line that I, I think one of my big takeaways hit Zoom out on uh, the offseason so far is a lot better and a lot deeper than I envisioned. It really is. I, I think just, just my own speculation right off the top, I'm buying Danny a little bit of time here. If you're going left to right, DJ Humphrey's a left tackle. Left guard to be determined. Yelda Froholt, your starting center. Will Hernandez, starting right guard. And I still have Paris Johnson Jr. 
as your starting right tackle until I see and sense otherwise. Now, the big question is, is there going to be maybe a, a center brought into camp with some experience? Because for everything that Yelda Froholt is, and he's a great personality, and he seems to be a skilled offensive lineman, and, and he's great in the weight room, he has the size and the strength, he has four, a grand total of four starts at center in his career. And that was as the four-string center last year for Cleveland. It was in an emergency pinch. So how comfortable is Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Fort with Yelda Froholt holding down the fort at, at center the entirety of this season? Danny? I'm also going to go with an offensive lineman. My, my take is a little different because I went with the rookie John Gaines. Mm. And while I understand the two of you were looking more so at a likely immediate starter, I'm looking more at that depth as somebody who the Cardinals have liked at center. He was getting some snaps at left guard. Um, and I, I see this more as I could see him getting playing time this year along that depth chart, whether that is injury or something else. If if the season happens to go awry and you're changing up the type of players you're playing and, and anything like that. So I, I do think that John Gaines is going to end up getting some playing time. And so that's one of the under-the-radar players that I have is it seems like this staff likes him and that he's getting he was getting valuable reps throughout the offseason from what we were seeing. And he started more than 40 games at UCLA. He has a lot of experience. I could see this as one of those situations where he doesn't come in and, and doesn't earn a starting role right away, but can earn more reps and maybe even some start some games as the season goes along. And, and I think that he could be one of those players that kind of surprises us at training camp. All right. Darren, what do you think? Top three, under the radar. All right, so my I'm going to go my number two right now is going to be Jonathan Ledbetter. Oh, so these defensive linemen, we're not sure who's all going to be out there right now. It's the land of opportunity in the D line room. And I, you know, Jonathan Ledbetter been banged up this offseason, but he's a guy that I I think he has a good attitude. I think he's good in the locker room. And I think on a team like this, he's got a chance. I mean, I think defensive line wise, I think we can all agree there's going to be definitely a rotation going on here. But this is a guy who caught their eye early on. They did, you know, they made sure he was still around. He's one of the holdovers from last year. And I, I just, for some reason, I just feel like he's going to play a role that not a lot of people are talking about. And again, we're talking about under the radar, and some of these guys are going to be under the radar for a reason. But this is, that's where I'm going. Jonathan Ledbetter. If I was smart and nobody has accused me of having a high IQ, I would not go with the following player because I've butchered his last name about 17 times this offseason. <laughs> Here we go. Noah Tongiai. He was on my list. He was on my list, too. I mean. Good call. Was he billed, correct me if I'm wrong, he was billed as sort of a guy, just a blocking tight end, but he seems to be pretty fluid catching the ball out there. He certainly doesn't fight the football, and he's supposedly really stout. Now, we don't know until you get some of the tight end versus outside linebacker blocking drills and full pads come camp July 31st, but... But so far, you're like, wow, okay, he has the size. He, apparently, he looks to have the hands. Um, he's known as a blocking tight end. And guess what? If they're going to run 11, 12, and 13 personnel, I mean, who else is going to be out on that field? We don't know about Zach Ertz. He certainly didn't make a proclamation that he'll be back week one when he was on with Wolf and Luke here most recently. So you got Trey McBride and... To be determined. 
So that's why, you know, process elimination, somebody's got to play. Somebody's got to bolster that tight end room. And I, from what I can tell from the outside looking in, Noah Tongiai, I think, is, is vying to be in the rotation. I'm going with another rookie, Keetrell Clark, cornerback. Like it. Yep. Like the D-line room, it's the land of opportunity with the cornerbacks. I mean, if, if you're going to assume based on the carryover, you would think Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson as your starting cornerbacks and a Christian Matthew as that third. Um, so you're going to want a fourth. And, and it's also there's there's no allegiance. I mean, we could be way wrong on this coaching staff in terms of what they see from the cornerbacks on this roster. We keep talking about wanting to bring in a veteran center. Maybe they see cornerback is not only a bigger need, maybe the players that are going to be available come training camp, that's a better fit for this team. I think there's still a lot of question marks, and and the rookie has gotten some praise um, from from his teammates throughout the offseason workouts. Again, that's only offseason workouts, and and your rookie, we're going to get a better idea of Clark's skill set come training camp. Um, but, But it seems like he's been working hard out there and and again his teammates Michael Wilson was talking about how that's someone he's gone up against and has given him some trouble and that they had a practice uh it was mini camp and after practice one day Keetrell Clark went and wrote two pages worth of notes just on Michael Wilson and his habits and his you know notes on his releases and and the routes he was running and and seemed to be really prepared and so I think that there's an opportunity to come in and, and earn some playing time. So I'm going to go with Keetra Clark. Especially since we haven't heard, what have we heard on Garrett Williams? Nothing definitive, right? No, I mean, Garrett Williams is a guy who is coming off ACL tear, and you just don't know when those guys are going to be ready. And maybe he's ready at some point in camp, but we don't know. And I do think Garrett Williams at some point is going to play a role, but we just don't know when that's going to be yet. I'd almost throw Antonio Hamilton in under the radar, the the old guy. Uh, older is this your Nick third Rouse. one, Paul? No, I said Paul. I, this is honorable mention. Honorable mention, Antonio <laughs> oh, Hamilton. Making up his own rules. The only reason I do that is because you know what he, you know what he was last year's under the radar because he started like as a fourth or fifth corner and then ended up as the second corner by the end of camp. And then he had the tragic cooking accident where he poured hot hot oil on his feet and then that, that really derailed the rest of his season. To a large degree. So, no, I'm uh, here. You go. Top three. I'm keeping that on the outside. There I shouldn't go. think out loud like that. Darren, go ahead. I shouldn't. Um, okay. So, we just uh, mentioned his name a couple times, and, and I know he's been talked about quite a bit, but I'm going with Michael Wilson. I think, again, with no more DeAndre Hopkins, I think this, I think it, it feels like this coaching staff is going to embrace bigger receivers, and I think. Michael Wilson falls in there. And if you're talking about an under, I mean, first of all, he was under the radar going into the senior bowl. He was kind of under the radar going into the draft because of all his injuries in college. And yes, he's got to stay healthy, but you just see a guy who's just so intelligent and, and physically looks the part. Now, obviously he's got to catch the ball and get open or however Gannon says, get open and catch the ball or what what, the key things for a wide receiver. Um, But I, I think the way this is going to go, I think, First of all, and I think we've talked about this before, this is a great year for the rookies, the draft class. Like If you're going to throw them into the deep end, this is the time. And I just feel like, just like you were talking about Keetra Clark, I feel like Michael Wilson's going to have some opportunities because you're going to want to see him grow a little bit. Maybe above some of the veterans that are already on this roster that you may have feel already know or, or might not physically fit exactly what you want to do. 
I think I'd be doing a, a disservice to the Pauly Pigskin breakout player at camp if I didn't go with an undrafted rookie free agent as my third selection for under the radar. I know who this is. Number 31 <laughs> out of TCU, 5'9", 215, was really good last year when he got some reps and got some carries. Imari DiMercato. You love saying his name. I, I didn't pick him because I was leaving him for you. I knew he was going to be on s- your same list, same way. What have you guys been hearing, by the way, about Amari DiMarcato? Have you? Have you heard? Have you? Is, is there a buzz? What do you, what do you hear? I don't feel like there's a big buzz, and it's it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> but again, I don't. That doesn't bother me. It really doesn't because buzz at this time of year. What what does that really mean? I do think, like these other positions, he's got a good chance. I mean, the question becomes like if you're looking at that running back room, who's who's the speed guy? Is it Tyson Williams? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they have that guy, yeah. do they? Yeah. I, I, and if you're looking at the running back room, you can see all you have to do is go to the Cardinals' YouTube page, and you can see the respect that Jonathan Gannon has for James Conner. And and there's no doubt, I, I, I'm, I personally am forecasting a big season for James Conner. He has that look in his eye. He's in a contract year. We know what happened the last time he was in a contract year for the Cardinals. But after James Conner, I mean – There are zero allegiances between this staff and Corey Clement, Keontae Ingram, Tyson Williams. If there's a a chance, and especially the position. See, like a Michael Wilson, historically, receiver has been tough for rookies. A couple years ago, the stat was, in terms of first-round position groups, receiver had the lowest percentage hit rate. It was 17%. This is very difficult as a receiver a lot of the read routes, et cetera, right? And, and so you've seen a lot of receivers coming in the NFL as rookies, and it really takes them a, a full year. Running back, a lot of rookie running That's backs fair. have excelled. So just based on the position itself, I could see an Amari DiMarcado coming in and having an impact as a third down back. He, he's sort of that guy who's going to make you miss, and it, supposedly he's really good catching the ball out of the backfield. Now, Keontae Ingram, he was a recent guest in the Big Red Rage. I said, how you feeling? How you looking? How's it going? He said, I'm lean and mean. I'm down to 220. Loves the offense. Loves the fact he's going to be coming downhill. They're going to be under center more. He said the offense that they're going to run reminds him a lot of what he did in high school, actually, uh, Keontae Ingram. So, and he's a guy who doesn't really look the part until you do get into pads. And Keontae Ingram was, has that ability to – to break tackles, et cetera. But I'm just, once again, 17-game season. James Conner has a history of injuries. You better figure out RB2 and RB3. I was thinking of going with Keontae Ingram for mine, so I will pivot. Pivot? Pivot. This one, you could I, I could understand the argument of maybe not so much under the radar, but I'm going to go with linebacker Kaiser White, the free agent that the Cardinals brought in. He has experience with defensive coordinator Nick Rollis as well as head coach Jonathan Gannon from being in Philly and I just there there's I feel like maybe he's gone under the radar a lot because he was working off to the side throughout um, offseason workouts so we didn't really get to see him on the field a lot but there's a lot riding on him I mean that there's the expectation he's going to come in and and be your mic and call the defense because he understands that feels like you should be having him under your need to perform rather than your I'm just, I was saying the reason I put under the radar is because we haven't really seen him mm-hmm. throughout off-season workouts, so it kind of feels like we haven't 
really talked about him in that sense. And and so we haven't really seen I mean you can whatever see what he did with the Eagles, but yeah. seeing out here it's it's kind of we haven't really talked about him. So that's why I understood the argument to go into the other realm. Um, but I could see him as kind of under the radar. We haven't really talked a lot about him you or are, seen him. You are allowed to have your opinion, Danny. Absolutely. Thank you. You're making me feel kind of bad about it, though. No, no. I, I like that. Forget Darren. Forget the haters and the critics, right? The naysayers. Uh, I, I'm with you on that pick. Because I think even though he's already been handed the Mike linebacker position and he's considered the quarterback of the defense, I think that he feels like he has a lot to prove at that position. I've heard him say multiple times that his best year in the NFL was his fourth year with the Chargers, which is the one year he played the Mike, And he thought that was his best season. But then when he went to the Eagles, he immediately went to Will. And so I think he has something to prove at playing Mike, both to himself and to the rest of the league. And so I think he comes in really motivated. So I, Thanks, I, Paul. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I really do. Well, Darren brought it up. Cardinals need them to perform. So these aren't guys who maybe aren't getting enough consideration. These are guys that the team, the head coach and GM, they're looking at their depth chart, right? The little magnets up on the board, old school, and going, we need this guy. This guy better be who we think he is, or we could have problems. Um, and where do you start, Darren? I'm going to uh, and you again, take the low hanging fruit. I'm not taking the low hanging fruit. I'm leaving the low hanging fruit for you guys. I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown. Mm. Oh, he was on mine, but that's fine. Well, I mean, some of these guys. I mean, Holly with no DeAndre Hopkins, with injury questions about Rondale Moore, uh, with rookie Michael Wilson. I mean, obviously, Greg Dorch is in there too, Zach Pascal. But I, Hollywood Brown going into his contract year. He considers himself a number one receiver. I'm not sure if, if people put him there, but I think he's going to be crucial in terms of this passing game and what they're able to accomplish in a lot of ways. And I, I think he absolutely has to perform at a high level. I'm not, I, I think he can do it. I thought he was playing pretty well before he got hurt last year. And that, that's one of the first names that comes to my mind. He, he was talking recently about how much he likes the way he's being used. They're going to use him in a variety of ways and try and keep the defense guessing. And so it won't be as predictable as to where he's going to line up. And so that'll be intriguing. I mean, obviously, I mean, you guys tell me, the way Kansas City used to use Tyreek Hill, couldn't you see the Cardinals using Hollywood Brown in a similar way? I could see that. I mean, obviously, I don't think Hollywood's fast. He's not Tyreek Hill fast. But I, I absolutely could see that. Now, part of the reason Tyreek Hill was so good is because you had some other options there. That, True. Like Travis Kelsey underneath, yep. and people had to worry about that. But, yeah, I could see that. All right. Players that need to perform. Danny? Oh, you're going to let me go before you, Paul? Well, or do you want me to go? It's your you call. You can go. That's okay. I'm going to go Marco Wilson. When the Cardinals had Byron Murphy, maybe this time a year ago, I think our discussion was, okay, Byron Murphy won, Marco Wilson two. But is Byron Murphy really a one? Is Byron Murphy really more cornerback two and Marco Wilson is cornerback three? Now into this current roster and configuration in the corner room, Marco Wilson by default is cornerback one. You know, is he worthy of that designation? Can he truly check the other team's top receiver week in and week out, or is Nick Rowles going to need to go a lot of zone coverage? You know, can they assign Marco Wilson to travel with a Debo Samuel, to travel with a Cooper Cup, you know, and, and, and be that guy? 
And if he's not, you could have a really pedestrian cornerback room. And if you're not getting to the quarterback, man, you could the prospect giving up a lot of passing yards if Marco Wilson isn't that guy this year. It, it, let's just put it this way: it's on the radar. That's I, 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 he was a potential on my list, and that only makes sense. And and again, you know, there's opportunity on both sides of the ball at a lot of different positions. But there are certain guys that, even if you're not sitting here saying these guys are Pro Bowl necessarily candidates, they they, they he's a great example. Like because he, he he's got to play for both his sake and the the team's sake so i'm gonna take the low-hanging fruit okay zaven collins as your outside linebacker yeah he's coming in and he doesn't have a ton of experience there the 30 percent snaps he played last year um weren't passing yeah they were run down so it's going to be different for him now we've heard from his defensive coordinator from dennis gardak that collins has the size to be a monster he has the iq to because he was playing inside the last few years. He has that IQ of understanding a lot of what's going on around him, the ability to shift his eyes moving from inside to outside. Zayvon Collins is coming in, and he has to be your most productive outside linebacker, and he's really just now focusing on the position for the first time, which is kind of scary. I mean, you could look at players who need to have a a breakout year of a Cam Thomas or a MyJ Sanders going into year two. I'm just not sure how realistic that is. I do think it's more realistic that even if it's not just looking at sack numbers, that Zayvon Collins could be more productive and more disruptive than those two. Um, but you're you're relying heavily on, on Zayvon to kind of carry the load in this position room that he's an, a newcomer to. I, I agree. I think it's kind of crazy that we were jumping right to Zayvon when they do have Sanders and they – and they do have Cam Thomas, and they even have drafted a guy, B.J. Ojolari, who is more comfortable in that position at this point in his career probably. But The only I, thing is we haven't seen Ojolari well, on, 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 the, on field. the field. So, yeah, I, I do think they need this out of Zayvon Collins. And, I, and I, you know, again, when you're a former first-round pick, people want to see you perform. <laughs> well, he was taking four spots after Micah Parsons. I know yours truly this last year wondered aloud whether Isaiah Simmons could be the next Micah Parsons. What I really meant to say is could Zayvon Collins be the next Micah Parsons, the pass rushing linebacker? I just got the wrong first round pick in there. Close. You but, were so close. But as we mentioned previously on Cardinals Underground, the week of minicamp, you had Dennis Gardeck tell the media, quote, he'll be a dominant outside backer. And then Josh Woods the next day said he's going to be an amazing player in this league. I mean, those are eye-opening comments out of nowhere for a guy making a position change for a couple of his teammates, guys who know ball and have been around him on a daily basis to double down like that on what sort of season. I mean, if there is a best-case scenario, if we were to do a power poll of best-case scenarios, Zayvon Collins morphing into a legit edge rusher and being a dude on the outside – That'd be that'd be one B behind one A. Kyler regains his Pro Bowl form. I agree. I I would that would be unbelievable. But again, I I don't think it's fair at this point to assume or that will happen either. So that's that's a wait and see. Where are we in this rotation? This is uh, we're we're number two. Okay, are we only number two? I guess we are only number two. Players the Cardinals need to perform. This is this is a little bit low hanging fruit, but I we went through a rotation. I'm going to go with James Conner. Because of what we already talked about, 
which was the fact that we don't know who else they have in the running back room. And like you said before, Paul, here's a guy who it feels like all the eggs are in that basket. They want to they want to run the ball. James Conner is a workhorse running back. All these things. Now, if he, hopefully he can stay healthy. I agree. It, I love his attitude through this whole thing. It, it'd be really easy for somebody with the experience that he has to be disappointed in where the team had to go and having to make a coaching change. Every time I've talked to him, he's talked about how excited he is about this new coaching staff and the vibe that's around here, uh, whether it's in a actual press conference setting or we just happen to pass each other. So I love where his mind is, and I do think he's in a place to have a big season if he stays healthy. Think and they need him to do that. Think about it. The GM Monty Austin Fort, his recent years in Tennessee. Who's that? Tennessee running back. Oh, yeah, Derrick Henry. And then Drew Petzing in Cleveland. What's the all-pro? Oh, Nick Chubb. So I, I just think that James Conner could be that dude that some of the decision makers are used to having that sort of workhorse running back with size. And don't forget, James Conner, you know you're in the NFL when you're starting running back as a former defensive lineman at Pitt. So that's that's the sort of size and strength that James Conner brings. That's you know, Danny, when you're down the sideline, you're like, okay, that dude's a running back. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> there, there's a lot of size. We were watching yeah. practice last week and ended up being behind the offensive lineman. And I couldn't see anything, and I'm thinking, I think some of them had growth spurts because I didn't remember them being so. I didn't remember there being so many yeah. six five, six seven offensive linemen. But yeah, the team as a whole, James Conner, and and we know that this team's going to run the ball more. That's the only thing we've had confirmed to the media with this new offensive scheme. So I'd like to walk up behind the old line and go, where's the HGH around here again? Where is it? Whoa, whoa, I, I whoa, need some. whoa, Hello. whoa, It's a joke. Whoa. Anyway, Paul, who's your next player? Okay, speaking of offensive linemen, Magnus Verfroholt. Dang it, Paul. I just like the nickname. I, I figure I better get to him quickly before he's snagged. You know, come on. Anybody who that has, was my next player, so good job. Anybody who has Atlas Stones in his weight room at home in yes. his garage, right? And, and by the way, he's an Arizona resident, so he's out there. He's breaking a sweat in the hot garage. He's lifting the Atlas Stones. He's getting props from Will Hernandez for being old school with the, you know, paying attention to, to strength and, you know, moving guys around. But look, in terms of the position itself, I don't know about the two of you, but. I know I gained a newfound appreciation for what happens when you have a legitimate center. That one good year the Cardinals got out of Rodney Hudson, that was glorious. I mean, <laughs> it really was. I, that was, And so the position itself is so valuable. Now, with Colt McCoy, could you argue, okay, Colt in his 14th season, he can make a lot of those calls up front and get in and out of stuff and recognize the mic and you know what's coming and what are they dialing up, especially if he's under center. I get it, but... You won't be able to froholt if he indeed is the guy, gets enough reps, and really gets a solid enough knowledge of this offense that by the time Kyler comes back, he can be that asset for a Kyler Murray. He's gonna have a lot to juggle. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a deal with a brand new offense and a really a brand new philosophy, especially if he's under center a lot more than he's used to, because nobody was in the gun more last year than Kyler Murray. Not only with Kyler Murray, but for however many weeks we're not expecting Murray to be healthy and ready to go, you need a strong center for your backup QB, whether that's Colt McCoy, which is who we think it'll likely be at this point, right? And having that strong center who's able to recognize the defense and kind of be that anchor, it's just as important when you don't have your franchise quarterback out there. 
Okay, I'm going with more low-hanging fruit, so don't come for me on this one. Would never do that. Buda Baker. Mm-hmm. And and that's not in the sense of the other players where we're talking about you kind of need to have a breakout year or you need to, like a Marco Wilson, you really need to step up. That That's not why I'm saying Buda's name. I'm saying for every other thing, the heart and soul of this defense, of this team. And when you're prepping for a year that we have talked about the Cardinals having, where last year it was you had high expectations and a different roster uh, like compilation, right? Of And then having those losses was really frustrating. And, and maybe understanding, and I'm not sure the players have this mindset, maybe understanding that with the way the roster is right now and what you're trying to do long term of if you have – right a couple of losses it's it's different and my point that I'm rambling on about is you need someone like Abuda Baker with that leadership and with that the mindset that he has to continue to push people and hold each other accountable and remember what it is you're playing and fighting for and that I, I don't think there are a lot of players in this league who genuinely and authentically have that leadership and that passion and the respect that Buda Baker has in this locker room. I think also with what's going on with him, where he's had requested a trade and I think he clearly wants more money, I don't foresee him not playing. That he has two years left on his contract, he doesn't have that leverage. But I think the fact that he hadn't been around throughout offseason workouts, he came for a mandatory minicamp, didn't practice. I think when you see someone who's going through things on the business side, but to then, then come out and play the way that he does, I think that would say a lot too about putting the team first. And that's what we expect from Buda Baker. And that's what this new coaching staff expects from their players. So that's why I'm saying you need to have Buda Baker have the type of year he always has. It is sort of that dichotomy, is it not? That conundrum Buda Baker, because I think we'd all say that the amount of respect everyone has for Buda's game and his will to win, how many Garbage time tackles as he made, touchdown saving tackles. I always think of the playoff loss in L.A. and he goes off the field on a stretcher at the end of that game because he's still balling out 100%. Yet, for everything he does for the team and sacrifices himself, and as much as he's part of the solution and not part of the problem, if you're establishing a culture that is predicated and founded upon team first, player second, he's definitely putting his own wants and needs first right now in seeking that new contract, which could just be the business of the NFL, which guess what? That is the reality. But yeah, I think we're all curious to see how they resolve this situation. A, you don't want to set a precedent, but B, how many players are like Buda Baker and especially on this roster? In fact, Pete Prisco just had his 100 top players in the NFL, and there wasn't a single Arizona Cardinal on that list. Now, I thought that was ridiculous when Patrick Peterson was 92nd and Buda Baker was left off the list. That's derelict in your duty of, of formulating that list, but that's sort of where the Cardinals are in the national attention. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it is, which yep. which actually is not a horrible segue to my third person okay. here. here we go. Um, kind of for the reasons, but my, my third person were, who needs to perform Paris Johnson Jr. Mm. Okay, he's a rookie. 
I mean, you could give him the, okay, he's a rookie. We, we got to get through this. They don't have to have him perform, especially with Kelvin Beecham on the roster or Josh Jones. But my argument would be you traded back up to six to get this guy. You're in a position right now, as we've talked about before, where you could have rookies playing on this team. You spent a high pick. I mean, the, the good tackles usually make in a little bit of an impact when they're rookies. Um, and so I think for like those multi-levels, I think this team needs to have their first-round pick come in and play well right away. I mean, Tristan Wirfs was a home run from the get-go at right tackle for Tampa. So, yes, it, it can be done. It has been done recently. Um, when I looked at the memo, it said Cardinals need them to perform. It didn't say single player. So my third entry is – Another rule break. Jesus. You know, if, 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 if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Um, so we're just uh, – look, my third entry under need them to perform is the entire 2020 draft class. Isaiah oh. Simmons, Josh Jones, Lucky Foto, Rashard Lawrence. It's now Whatever. or well, we'll give it to you. It's now or never. You either perform <laughs> or you're walking or maybe you're on the trade block sometime in August. Uh, like if you're Josh Jones, can, can for example. Can we say perform or get off the pot? Can we change the saying? <laughs> that's, that's Danny, not me. Uh, and so I, I'm going the entire 2020 draft class because by the time this season ends, you want to have something. <laughs> Something from that draft class that you can build upon going forward. You don't want it to be COVID, a COVID haze over your draft class. Fine, we'll give it to you, Paul. Yeah. I will go back to one player. Thank you. And it's kind of a similar situation to what you were talking about, Paul, with Marco Wilson. And we've talked about him a little, but I'm going to go with Trey McBride. Okay. Because we don't know what Zach Ertz is timetable to return looks like yet from his ACL injury last November and and I'm not so much I'm not sure if it's so much of where Trey McBride was his rookie year was it more the scheme was it because of the situation the Cardinals kept finding themselves in last year that that McBride didn't really shine which is kind of what you would expect as a rookie tight end but I was thinking about it being similar to Marco Wilson of right now Trey McBride is your number one tight end does he have the skill set to be a number one tight end or is that just because of injuries and and kind of where this roster has just kind of filled out learn from and and we talked about if you're going to have more 11 12 13 personnel you're going to have to rely on somebody and even if Zach Ertz does come back and he's healthy you're going to have to rely on Trey McBride more so than you did last year at least in a different way you're still going to have to rely on him even if you have Zach Ertz out there. So I think there's a lot riding on him in terms of the jump you need to see going into year two um, and being more impactful out on the field. I mean, He was the top tight end taken in the 2022 draft, middle of round two. Yeah. Mackey award winner. He's supposed to be that dual threat tight end, the ever-rare guy who can catch yards after catch, can block, can be stout enough at the line of scrimmage. You know, Zach Ertz said recently that he's not nearly as anxious about trying to do well, Trey McBride. He was, you know, just so eager and intense to 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 show himself last year that maybe he did so to his own detriment. Uh, and by the end of the season, yeah, he, he definitely got more acclimated 
He got the touchdown where he stumbled across the finish line in Atlanta. Got a hard time from the fellows in the sideline, but he's got that out of the way, the first career touchdown. They were all signaling safe. You're safe at home plate, Trey, the way you entered the end zone on that one. So, no, but absolutely, that whole tight end room, man. I mean, between the tight end room, the D-line room, the cornerback room, and then edge rusher. I mean, there's, this is such a radical departure from last year's training camp where it just was, everything's pretty much decided. Everybody stay healthy. In fact, stay healthy till December, and then we'll turn it on. That really was the attitude. This attitude going into camp couldn't be more different. Do you guys agree? You got to earn it. And what's interesting is the question marks you open the podcast with on offense feels more like, okay, you have more options. You have depth, right? Like we need to figure out who who works well together, who can be a starter. And then on defense, the question marks are, well, it's pretty much open for anybody. So you got to go out and, and, and show us why you should be the starter. I mean, the top three position groups you have to figure out would all be on defense, I think. D-line, corner, edge. Then tight end would be four. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So it's a good thing Nick Rowless is only 29 years of age. May <laughs> <laughs> show a little gray yeah. hair when it's all over. Yeah. By the way, uh, that year Jonathan Gannon, maybe it was one of the uh, – so it was in a flight plan, or maybe it was Nick Rowless who said it, that they actually require all the assistant coaches to work out every morning. That was in my fine Jonathan Gannon story. And, oh, and we learned go. that uh, the flight plan episode when we were in the Combine in Indianapolis. I'm not sure if that actually made the final cut, but I do remember that from the interview was that it's important to Nick Rowless is making sure that the coaching staff is healthy, That's not true. just working out, but sleeping seven to eight hours. They don't want <laughs> – People here, you know, ungodly hours, they want them to be healthy and sleeping and spending time with their family. That way they can, when they are in the building, they are productive and, and their best selves. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, you guys need to take that advice, too. Spend time with your family. Enjoy the summer vacation. It's a 18-week grind. Once the regular seat course, the grind starts for you day one of training camp. Actually, when they report, that's when it really starts. So, Okay. That's good. And uh, we'll be monitoring azcardinals.com for any updates in between leading up to camp. Once again, Danny, what's the deal? It's uh, free parking, free admission. You need digital tickets to enter. July 27th. There's multiple open practices and, you know, the red-right practice and all that good stuff again going on at State Farm Stadium. So all those dates, everything on AZ Cardinals on our Twitter account, azcardinals.com. Darren wrote a story. So check it out. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.